Digital Drift, episode 55, recorded Thursday, 24th of September, 2014. The Fast and the Furious, and Too Fast, Too Furious. One race, 2G buy it, winner takes all. I don't have any cash, but I do have the pink slip to my car. You brave, you brave. You're in. Do it fast, do it furious. On the street, where reputations are made. It don't matter if you win by an inch or a mile. Winning's winning. In a world beyond the law. We drive like we've done this before. We've done ever. If you have what it takes. You want a beer? Yo, Dom, why'd you bring that fool here? Because he kept me out of handcuffs. You can have it all. My brother likes you. Usually he doesn't like anybody. But when rivalries are a way of life. I thought we had an agreement. You stay away, I stay away. When loyalty is all that matters. You don't know this punk, Dom. Watch your back. You break her heart, I'll break your neck. Would you be willing? Yeah, stick by me. Maybe. To risk everything. Okay, folks, this is a bold experiment. Can Sharon and I go deep on movies perceived to be entirely veneer? Or if not deep, can we find something really worthwhile in them? Neil Taylor of Gameburst has joined in to help us review the sextet of Fast and Furious movies, which just happen to be some of his favorites. Hello, Neil. Hello. And we're going to keep this one very simple in terms of format. We're going to go with each movie, what we don't like, what we do like, and our favorite cars. There's cars. And girls. And some and guns. And some guns, but mostly cars. Lots and lots of cars. It is car porn. It, it, it is. It is more car porny than Top Gear. It's more car porny than Transformers, and that's saying something. It's. Is it less offensive than Transformers? Oh, yes. That's it's why we're doing it. less offensive than <laughs> yeah, Transformers. Yeah, after all those Transformers movies, I was like, you know, The Fast and Furious is going to be a little less bad now. And it totally was less bad. In fact, uh, one of them coming up felt very much more like a Transformers movie, and I was turned off by that. But we'll see which one that was. Okay, so we'll start in 2001 with The Fast and the Furious, directed by Rob Cohen. A little indie picture costing only $38 million, which proved to be an immense success and uh, raked in $207 million and started a franchise that is at least going to hit seven and most likely just continue on. Um, I suppose just sort of put yourself back in the world to 2001. Uh, Gone in 60 Seconds had just come out. What did you think of that one? Uh, I loved that one as well. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a sucker for car films, especially car films that use real cars and do a lot of the real car chases. I remember there was either an Empire or a Total Film Review that was talking about um, uh, Gone in 60 Seconds. Uh, who directed that? Oh, I can't remember that. Um, uh, I know it's yet one of those films where Christopher Eccleston won't talk about because he generally doesn't. He, he loves everything he's in up until it's released and everyone goes, oh, we really like that. And he goes, yeah, I didn't. Dominic Sainer. There's a point where uh, Angelina Jolie asked Nicolas Cage, so uh, what do you prefer? having sex or boosting cars and behind the camera Dominic Sin is going it's gotta be boosting cars yes strip the hood Uh, because that is similarly directed in kind of this 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 loving way of uh, automobiles and uh, you know what I kind of respond to that level of enthusiasm sometimes you want to know a sad fact Mm -hmm. I own two versions of that film (sighs) what's the other version I own Gone in 60 Seconds Mm. and the director's cut Gone in 30 Seconds (laughs) Surely it would be gone in 120 seconds. Basically, uh, the funny no, thing is... that would be slow. they get caught by the police. Ah. 
Especially the director's cut is, you know, all the deleted scenes, they just put that back in. Oh. You're actually not really missing that much, but okay. yeah, I just thought, I love that film so much, I bought it twice. So it's more gone in 67 seconds. Yes. Okay. I mean, you know, we, we've we've bought um, similar, uh, the, the director's cut of Fantastic Four. There's you know a what? Director's cut? <laughs> there is a director's cut. It's, it's, oh, it's not fantastic. I suppose it's not as bad as my obsession with a certain uh, Ridley Scott film that has multiple cuts that I own all of. Kingdom of Heaven. Oh, God, no. No, the other Ridley Scott film. Alien, which has multiple cuts. No, sorry, Gladiator. No. You sorry. know which one. We're just not invoking the name because. Legend. Hang on, do you not talk about Blade Runner because it's like the Scottish play? <laughs> <laughs> no, I just think my love for that film is quite well known. We're slightly off track here. Kind of like the Fast and the Furious. Okay, right. L- let's not beat about the bush here. This is Point Break, folks. The yes. whole thing is Point Break. I-, I, don't know, I-, I don't know if I went in not knowing if it was Point Break or not, or that there was a point when I was like, oh my God, this is it's totally hard. Point Break. I, I am so. an FBI agent. Uh, my sad fact is I have never seen Point Break. You've never seen Point Break? I, well, technically oh, dude, I have seen it's the Fast and the Break. Furious. Imagine the Fast and the Furious, but with Keanu Reeves. You've now seen Point Break. Well, I, I mean... I'm Patrick Swayze. Yeah, Paul Walker was, was ultimately riffing on uh, Keanu Reeves' performance in that anyway. Uh, but in all seriousness, I, I, I watched... Jesus fucking Christ. It's a cockroach the size of a thumbnail. <laughs> what? I am not joking. It just flew in. Hold on. <laughs> Now, this is a backstage gonzo bit. It'll be some kind of beetle or other. I'm so waiting for the girly scream. I'm waiting for him to ask me to come down and deal with it. (laughs) That's also true. (laughs) I am the official spider catcher in this house. That was almost as bad as the moth incident. Oh. Remember the moth incident, Sharon? I remember the moth incident. Okay. um, So what was I saying? Right. Yeah. Okay. Point Break is the same structure all the way up until the end. Really, it's it's um it 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 has a different ending. And in fact, had Point Break had this ending, it could have we could be experiencing Point Break Seven right now. Mm, That's Catherine. Bigelow, isn't it? It is Catherine Bigelow. Bigelow, yeah. I think that the significant difference um, in what actually makes... I'm not going to say that... uh, I can't remember what it's called. The Fast and the Furious. I'm not going to say that the Fast and the Furious is um, better than Point Break. Is it? No, I'm not going to say that. But I think there are elements of it that I definitely prefer. And the comparison between uh, Bodhi and um, Dominic is one of the key elements. But we can come to that when we talk about what we liked. I'd say you can make a fine argument for the two being as good as one another, but in different regards. The, they're uh, both... From what I, I have seen like half a point break. From okay. what I remember, they're both very much films of their time as well. Yeah, very much. Um, it... <laughs> Point Break was just as the 90s began to open up with that, that kind of more high-octane... Um, the extreme! extreme! movie. So uh, it's got a lot of... Uh, it's got surfing, it's got parachute jumping, and um, there's that moment where uh, uh, Patrick Swayze is being chased down a bunch of houses and alleys, and then Keanu Reeves falls down and hurts his leg, and he holds him at gunpoint, and he, but he loves him so much he just fires his gun up in the air and goes, ah! That's brilliant, that bit. Um, but in all seriousness, I watched it again recently. Bodhi, Patrick Swayze, is a lot less likable than Dominic Toretto. Yeah, that's something we'll get onto when we further on. But yeah, yeah. Do- he's got a lot of kind of faux surfing mysticism. But when it comes down to it, he puts an ex-girlfriend and, and good friend of his in mortal danger, or at least apparently does, just to blackmail Johnny Utah. Um, which basically means he's putting an innocent person's li- life on the line and dom will go out of his way to save innocent people mm-hmm. that's the fundamental difference i think uh, bodhi is inherently a very selfish and somewhat superficial person but like you say because he um he's charismatic so it kind of lulls you into a sense that he's just that cool it does a little bit but as neil says very much a product of its time and at that time people who espoused that philosophy and uh you know appeared to follow that lifestyle and and all the rest of it 
were kind of the in thing, I suppose. Yeah, it was. At the, that's what I mean by the time. It's very sensitive on a certain aspect that was going mm. that became popular at the time. The car culture sort of uh, started. The things became quite popular in sort of early 2000s as well. So, yeah. Um, Dom, on the other hand, from, like I said, it's been such a long time and I've only seen half the point break. Dom is a lot more likable, uh, but it also gives you, it tells you why. There's a lot of reasons. He, yeah. This film goes out of its way to tell you why Dom is the way he is. Yeah. Mm. I, I asked Sharon, now, can you tell me one thing about Bodhi that's not superficial? Because he never talks about himself, his past, his, uh, uh, his, his raison d'etre, aside from basically just getting the next big wave. Uh, but uh, yeah, let, let's just set Point Break down and say and say that this franchise started out as a Point Break remake of sorts, and uh, then introduced the, reintroduced the world in a PG thirteen uh, rated scenario to Vin Diesel, who had just uh, been in Pitch Black, and that is an R rated, absolutely brilliant film. Yes, they all are. I will even stick up for the second one, which I know is not great, but right. I do have fun with it. I literally cannot go with you on the they all are, Neil. I'm so sorry. But, uh, but yeah, Neil likes the second and third ones. So, folks, check them out, at least for comparison's sake. If you don't like the second one, the third one is a lot closer to the original, so you might have more fun No, it's that. not. Hated it. <laughs> Hated it. It's pissing awful. In a, in a kind <laughs> <laughs> I get what he means in in that like structurally it's similar uh, and and in terms of what actually happens but um you know we were going to do a bunch of uh, Riddick podcasts and just we watched them all and we actually watched them backwards we watched Riddick first then we went back and watched Chronicles which I actually kind of prefer to Riddick now <laughs> um and then we went back and watched Pitch Black thinking oh my god has this aged and is it now terrible no it's brilliant love Pitch Black anyway Vin Diesel in that, and bearing in mind he also turned up in uh, a, a, a fairly brief role in Saving Private Ryan, and then turned up around, he was in Boiler Room, wasn't he? Wasn't that sort of yep. more of a sort of an indie uh, type film around that time? Um, and he was the Iron Giant, so this was his time. And then he was Triple X, and I mean the reason he wasn't in Too Fast Too Furious is he was asked. Do you want to do a sequel to Too Fast to, to the Fast and Furious? Do you want to do a sequel to Riddick? Do you want like, to pitch it basically Black? the short answer? The thing was he was asked, "Do you want to do sequels?" He turned around and said, "No, I could do one sequel and then the Pacifier." Okay, that's the deal. <laughs> I've got to do the Pacifier. It's in my blood. I have seen that. Is it good? No, of course it's not good. It's just Kindergarten Cop and Mr. Yeah, Nanny. Basically, it is. It is Kindergarten Cop, but nowhere near as funny. Anyway, um, so Vin Diesel, he is a powerhouse of charisma in this first one, in Pitch Black. Not so much in Triple X, because I think it's sort of like he'd begin to, begun to believe his own hype at that point for a little he while. He had also with Triple X. You know how I said this film is a product of its time? Triple mm. X is even more so. <laughs> we need to kind of seize Triple X while we're talking about this. Sharon also wanted to watch Days of Thunder as well. Just in terms oh, God, of show, young... octane car racing type stuff. What was that quote you had uh, that attributed to? Um, Days of Thunder, right. It's it, just for a little bit of context, uh, Nicole Kidman and um, Tom Cruise have been having a relationship of sorts and he's confessed to her in a pillow talk moment that what he likes about racing is that he gets to be in control of something that's out of control. Then they have a fight and she basically, <laughs> bear in mind how tall Nicole Kidman is compared to Tom Cruise. This makes for a very funny scene. She throws him up against a wall and says, um, it, so you say, you want to control something that's out of control well let me tell you something that everyone else in the world automatically knows control is an illusion you infantile egomaniac nobody knows what's going to happen next not on an airplane not on a freeway not inside our own bodies and certainly not on a racetrack with 30 other infantile egomaniacs and it was one of the best scenes of my teenage years i, I don't want it. to see that now <laughs> <laughs> I, will, I, just I, want to, I just want to see Tom Cruise being called an infantile egomaniac. Oh, can, it's magical. You can get a, <laughs> a, a double pack of that and Top Gun. We, for some reason, don't own Top Gun. I know if Tony's listening, we he'll kill don't us. don't own Top Gun. My God. I was actually thinking Days of Thunder is kind of Top Gun with cars. Hmm. Sort of. 
Anyway. Fast and Furious. Fast and Furious. <laughs> so, We're doing our level best to talk about anything but the Fast and Furious. So Vin Furious Diesel was in Triple X as well. And then he, he it was a rubbish experience, obviously, because he was uh, Ice Cube. Guilty was charged. It. I like that film too. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Ice Cube was in the second one. No, no, no. We do not no speak of the second one. <laughs> we do not speak... Please. Okay. We're you going to watch, have to speak right, about right. Too Fast, Too Furious in just a moment, dude. If that doesn't exist, then Too Fast, Too Furious doesn't exist. Uh, 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 the timeline proves that it does. But <laughs> Okay, you watch Talk. Did you buy Ice Cube as a biker? At uh, this point, we talked about Talk, which is a uh, film by Joseph Kahn from uh, back in uh, 2004. It was uh, developed as uh, only known to him a parody of the Fast and Furious film. So he's sending the whole thing up. It's a satire. It doesn't actually function as a satire because it's mostly tedious the whole way through. The end is actually pretty hilarious, so I kind of like that. But if all you're doing is replicating, then that's not actually a satire. Khan was not in the studio's good books when they found out the whole thing had been a colossal joke and they had just bankrolled it uh, and spent many, many years unable to really helm a particularly well-known film. Uh, More recently, Khan went on to direct that Power Rangers anti-fan film, which uh, similarly was uh, intended as a satire, but I don't think he really understands what that word means. I thought it was vile. I'm sure plenty of people didn't. Okay, so Vin Diesel <laughs> is in the fast... Oh, for the love of God, no one's there. Okay. <laughs> We've been attacked by bugs and doorbells. Again, no one was there. Would you stop interrupting us? <sighs> okay, so Vin Diesel <laughs> is in the Fast and the Furious as Dominic Toretto. <laughs> Also, Paul Walker. Now, Paul Walker sadly departed. When I found out he was dead, I, I, it hit me a lot harder than I thought it would. You know, that you, you don't think about Paul Walker dying. You know, you think that he's going to get to the like into his nineties or something and still be doing fairly crappy films. But um, no, make lots of money. <laughs> yeah, make, make lots of money. Uh, but he died, and then suddenly watching the Fast and the Furious again, which I went back and watched the first one just afterwards, I, I started getting really teared up. He's by no means the world's best actor or even best car driving actor, but he has this kind of blue-eyed earnestness about him that makes... He's, he's a likeable chap. And so him suddenly being snatched away in a car accident, no less, seems wrong. Yeah. Yeah, no. Um, obviously, being a fan of these films and stuff, I follow um, all the guys from these films on Facebook and stuff. So when the accident happened, it was uh, you actually see the reaction of guys like Tyrese and yeah. Vin Diesel, and they were shattered. They they were broken. They they did for an essence lose a brother. They, and, and just the guy wasn't that particular. He was older than I thought because mm. he's one of those actors that just seems young. Yeah, and he's been in like uh, on average one film a year for uh, for most of his career. So he's he's been in a whole lot of stuff. Yeah. Um, but 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 yeah, I was I was really touched by uh, specifically Vin Diesel's uh, tweets uh, about him after that happened and how blindsided he was and how um, broken he uh, he was about it. And if you you don't even have to look very far to to see that the uh, Fast and the Furious, at least the first one, is about family in a way that Point Break never was. There's a there's a, a, a lovely kind of slightly twisted family dynamic that exists between these um, the, these guys that I think is best exemplified after that. What's the Jane character called? Uh, Vince. Vince. Um, he, he gets in a fight and then he gets dismissed from the dinner table and then he comes storming back. Um, but then he's allowed to sit down and eat with them. And he just sort of leans in and um, pets Dominic on the head. In this lovely kind of, um, I'm sorry, I was bad kind of way. And then they don't say anything about it and he moves in and sits down. And it's, it's this kind of lovely forgiving moment. And they don't make a big deal of it because they're family. And that, that is one of the things I took away from this. Uh, more than uh, any of the other ones that I've seen, that there's this kind of real um, warmth to it. And that's completely different to uh, Point Break because you don't really root for the surfer guys you 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 can't you like Bodhi because he's charismatic but you don't know the other ones you sure as hell don't care about rosie and roach and that tall one 
No, because you're totally about Johnny and uh, is it Skylar, Tyler? I've I've known for a long time Fast and the Furious is actually a solid movie that stands up, and I was looking forward to seeing this one again uh, in the run up to the other ones. It's actually quite a tough act to follow because it holds up even today, even though it is very carry, and it's let's not mince words. Like as soon as you get to the racetrack, it's just like sort of engine city, and they're all popping the hoods and staring at each other's machinery and going, which to be fair is that culture. Yeah, and there's jiggling girls in hot pants bending over the cars and wiping them with dirty rags. And it's That's like, more the car magazine culture, yeah, I think. There you go, one. lads. You're welcome. And uh, that, that's, that takes up a good portion of the movie. Uh, but the actual races feel very kinetic, very frenetic, very speedy, very... I mean, the, the, the first one that uh, he gets into with Dom is supposed to only last for 10 seconds, but it's got that real sort of sense of urgency uh, going the whole way through it. And shot, I think, in a way that was different for the time, because I know uh, I've listened to the director's commentary. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm not much of a nerd. Um, uh, he, I'm glad someone did. He um, wants to do something different. That's why you get all the shots, like weaving inside the engine of the car and exploding out and weaving yeah. in between. So you Almost like David Fincher shots from Fight Club. Yeah. Sharon, anything on the racing? Well, I liked it. I, I think what, what threw me with this, I actually really enjoyed it much more than I expected to. And it kind of watching these films again has sort of made me realize how much I appreciate cars. Now, that might sound like a bit of an odd way to phrase it, but I don't know cars very well. I'm not particularly educated about the ins and outs of an engine but i grew up around cars my dad's an engineer and a a mechanic and he fixed all his own cars and my sister got really into it and i never did but um i don't understand sports films i don't understand setups where men bond over the ability to throw a pigskin or a rock from one end of a field to the other he's kicked Um, the ball to him now he's got the ball what's he gonna do with it is he gonna kick it Oh, he has. And apparently that's a good thing. Um, it, it basically, it, it baffles me. And one of the things about um, sports and particularly team sports, like uh, particularly ball games and things of that nature, is that you kind of need a particular physique to be able to do it well, or at least people, the way it's structured, you know, people expect you to be six foot six and, you know, built like a brick shit house if you're going to be a quarterback and things like that. A car kind of evens the playing field because it doesn't really matter how you're built what matters is how the car's built so whether you're male or female or whether you are um tiny or huge as long as you can fit in the damn thing Mm. um you know whether you have all your limbs or whether you have to have a car that's been specially adapted to you ultimately what counts is what the car is doing so I, i that i really like and i was kind of ticking back over all the things that i'd watched like Days of Thunder, for example, and um, Greece is another one. Even going back that far, that was one of the, the first films I ever saw. Literally, I can remember sitting in front of a tiny little black and white television watching Greece as a very small child. And the the guys connecting using their cars to express how they felt about each other, that just I don't I don't often see that in very uh stereotypically male oriented action movies and the more I I watched um the first one I I kept picking out all of these examples if you like of of kind of how the masculine expressions of emotion or lack thereof and what that does to them as characters and all of them have different repressions and different things that they can't express for different reasons and it affects all of them in in very different ways so you've got um how dom has pushed down his um regret over what happened after his father's death and you've got um jesse and how he's unable to express how he feels about his dad the the point of connection that he has with his father is the car when he loses the car he snaps um you've got vince and the fact that vince can't string a sentence together about anything let alone his own emotions which is probably the reason why mia never went for him um but 
it that doesn't make him a completely irredeemable character. And I just there were all these all these threads of of connection and broken connection that they were trying to repair with each other, but using the cars to do that, mm. that I totally wasn't expecting to see. And it, it kind of blew me away a little bit. I love the uh, moment where Jesse's explaining about his, uh, it, it seems like he's uh, on the, he says he's got ADD, but he also seems to be on the autism spectrum when he's, he's talking about how he doesn't really get people, but he can just see engines and he can work out the, you know, the pieces on a car and where all that stuff should go. Principally because, as you said, everything has a, a purpose and everything needs to be in the right place. There's a mathematical property to a car and to an engine. They, they don't just add gaudy shit for no reason. And if they do, Jesse will be able to tell you, no, that's gaudy shit added for no reason. And Dominic's fear as well, his, uh, the, the fear of the... Uh, you know, Jesse and his father bond over this car, but uh, interestingly, the, the car that uh, links Dom and his father uh, terrifies him, and he, he keeps it around. He should have gotten rid of that thing years ago, but he keeps it with him. It's kind of like a, a, a millstone around his neck that he can't get rid of. He even has it... Doesn't he have it in uh, later films? Uh, yeah, it's a it's, similar yeah. one. It, well, yeah. um, I think in... They Letty finds the wreck of that car gotcha. and tries to fix it up for him. Ah, um, yes. But I think what, the way that came across to me was that um, basically Dominic is terrified of living up to his father yeah. because if he lives up to his father, then he dies. Yeah. And um, and I'm sure that you know there's there's other things around that as well that if we had the time we could deconstruct properly. But um, essentially that having his father's car when they walk into the garage and they're walking around the car i had um uh, my father's gun playing in my head mm-hmm. um and this idea that that again that's his connection point to his uh to his male role model to the man that he has now spent his life trying to simultaneously become and avoid becoming mm. Um, and the the keeping of the car, in a way, is almost him constantly daring himself to become his father or not to become his father. And the wrecking of it at the end actually frees him in a way. It, yeah. it releases him from that circular um, emotional experience that he's been locked into since his father died. There's, a, there's quite a lot of father-related um, threads running throughout all these movies, actually. They, uh, you remember Tran in the first one, the, the villainous chap? Um, a good way to humanise your uh, antagonist is to show who he is antagonised by. And uh, obviously Tran's father is ashamed of him after the police raid and you know smacks him around. And uh, then he goes out and kicks downwards. There's, uh, that turns up again in Tokyo Drift as well. And we also find more about Walker's, um, sorry, Brian's father in five, I think oh, it is. Oh, I haven't seen that one yet. Ah, we have We're, we're going to see uh, five yeah, there's, tonight there's, after this podcast and then six in the morning. You actually find more about Paul Walker's dad in five. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the, the whole thing plays out in the, in the, the usual sort of high steam, but everyone's seen it. Everyone's seen The Fast and the Furious. If you haven't, just go see it. It's totally worth watching. Uh, but we won't spoil the actual specifics of it. But uh, you know, it's not a switch your brain off film. That's the next one. But um, it is a very enjoyable hour and forty minutes, and um, definitely stands the test of time. I think the the structure of the race is being so short in mm. this as well. Uh, one of the things that I tend to get a little bit turned off by with um, action films is that they follow this pattern of basically evoking adrenaline mm. and then attempting to sustain that adrenaline for as long as possible. This is one of the reasons why Michael Bay's action films leave me completely cold mm. and dead because it's not possible to sustain adrenaline for that long, particularly not for me. My, my body and my... Uh, 
that my mental state don't respond well to adrenaline at all. Um, whereas a lot of people, it's something that makes them feel incredibly excited and it's something that they chase. For me, it, it makes me feel ill. It literally makes me feel ill. I feel sick and my head starts swimming and it's it's really, really uncomfortable. Um, but because these bursts are so short, I can just about sustain it to really get the um, the kick of um, the the high, if you like, but it doesn't go on so long that I can't come down from it comfortably. And because it's got all these um, actually quite engaging character interactions going on around them, there's other things for those parts of my brain to latch onto, mm. rather than them waving around in the breeze, going "Hello, we're totally bored here" while you're sat there feeling ill. Um, which is is why action films are really incredibly unpleasant experience for me for the vast uh, majority of the time so it's, it is nice to find one like this that without me even having to try that hard actually has quite a lot of hooks to engage me with it's very well balanced if you actually looked at a chart of uh, sort of you know where your emotions would be uh, while watching the film it would just sort of go up as you began to engage more and more with the characters it would spike during the races just because they're exciting to watch but they're fairly short as you say but it just keeps going up and up until the point at the very end where it's Brian versus Dom racing towards the railway that's an actual sort of moment of I actually don't know what's going to happen here if you're seeing it for the first time. Especially if you've seen Point Break, you may be really, really worried about what's going to happen. Indeed. And they pull a nice trick on you on that one. Yes, they do. So I'm going to say it now. Uh, this is the film I didn't enjoy. Really? The first one? Oh my god! Now bear in mind, I have watched this I watched this film in the cinema when it came out, so I, I have a deep love of this film. But going back to it... Really? I had a couple of problems with it. Okay. I'm not saying it's it's bad. I agree with a lot. Of, you said there's some really good stuff in there, but my problems are, I think, one, the music terribly dates this film. Yes, Ja Rule. Oh, God, yes, and Sliver. Mm. He had riffs. Yeah. Fast and the Furious. Ja Rule all one. Yeah, yeah, it's our world. Please believe, yeah. was Dom is the only character that is fully rounded mm -hmm. you understand why for the most part you understand why he's doing what he's doing no one else really gets that I suppose Mia by just being his sister sort of gets some yeah it never really delves into why she's Brian's doing more of a sort of a portal into the other characters so to explain it, it, who they it's are Brian's way in Brian, yeah, mm. yeah I think there is a there is a reason for that and I'm I'm not necessarily saying that this is completely justified and though I know this makes me sound like a hypocrite because this is something that I've leveled at other films in the past mm. the nature of the type of film it is I think gets away with that a little bit because the whole point of this film is the relationship between Brian and Dom. They yeah. are really the only characters that you need to know more than a passing uh, surface amount about. And There's to be a fair, serious romance there. All the, oh, totally. Totally. By four, oh my God, is this getting incredibly homoerotic, but we'll come to that later. Trust um, me, by four, when he utters a line, still a buster, you're kind of like, yeah. Still a buster. <laughs> um, but if you look at the way the other characters are handled, by and large, although there are interesting things about them, most of the things you find out, most of the things that they do are intended to cast more light on Dominic as a character mm, or yeah. on Brian as a character yeah. and how their interactions um, expand on, on their three dimensions. Whenever Dominic's not on screen, everyone needs to be saying, where's, where's Dominic? Dominic? <laughs> yeah. Um, one thing that, that I really did like, though, this you know, going back to my more... <laughs> Uh, traditional appeal elements of, of movies, they have two women. Mm. And it doesn't normally, quite pass the bestial test we were counting. It doesn't, yes, no, we, we did check that, and I don't believe Mia and Letty ever actually they have They acknowledge a each other's existence, but they yes, don't talk. but that's, that's about it. But they actually are... Um, it, 
you know, they have different ways of looking at things. Uh, Mia is, I, I wouldn't exactly call Mia girly, but she's more traditionally um, she's softer. feminine. She's softer, yeah, I do exactly. like the fact that she really likes um, cars as well. When yeah, she gets in one, she's she like, likes, oh, can't hold she this She likes back. driving. See, mm. that's the thing. Um, and I think that's probably my uh, engagement with cars. She likes driving, but she's not necessarily all that fussed about what's going on under the hood. Yeah. Um, so the fact that you've got two women, both of whom uh, are have different approaches to uh, cars and men and their lives and each other. Well, except that you don't really see them interacting with each other, as we said. Um, but they have things going on that aren't just to do with um, w- with their their guys. And this was actually um, even if you look at just how the women are filmed in one versus two, um, it's in two you kind of lose this idea that the girls are there for the cars. In one, there are more. There seem to be more girls who are actually interested in the vehicles themselves, mm. and um, you know, are having conversations between themselves and things like that. Um, and that, that kind of comes back again in three. In two, almost always, when it pans up um, a, a woman's body, which it does very, very frequently, <laughs> it ends with these shots of them staring into camera and pouting, and it's and it's entirely. Uh, it just seems like they're there to look at you not so much the fact that you're there to look at them but they're there to look at you and worship you and adore you and give you the flirty bedroom eyes etc etc um rather than them being individual entities who actually were having a phone conversation with a friend over there and not even vaguely interested in what was going on with you Mm. so it, it just it's a subtle thing but it there's a tone that it creates. Hang on, hang on. Sharon, you wanted an even-handed ha- handling of women, and Neil, you wanted well-rounded characters across the board. May I remind you we're watching The Fast and Furious. Oh, exactly. But you see, this is the thing. Doesn't it speak highly of it that we expect those things? Yeah. I it's, it's, like I said, I think the big problem there is, like I was trying to say, is that Dom is very... You get why Dom is doing just about everything he's doing, mm. but the, the, you don't really get why... Like Brian's doing it, um, and or why Brian suddenly—I don't want to say falls under Dom's spell, but you know what—he suddenly feels more connected to oh, that th- family. Sharon the- theorised that basically he were go for it. I, I know why. I, I actually know why, but you will find out later. Oh, nuts. <laughs> okay, but no, you're right. If it's not actually within the film itself, then retroactively adding that later doesn't necessarily improve. The, well, I suppose it does improve the first one, but only in retrospect of another film. But if it's not there, Sharon, what was your theory? I can't remember what was that, that he's trying to find the adrenaline high he once got from just being a cop. Oh, yes. Yeah. Mm. That that um I mean that's the same as point at... break. Also just that he's kind of depressed and he's uh he he, is. that he's... the uh, racing is actually giving him a high which he otherwise doesn't get. Yeah, I mean I that kind of a little bit I've inferred that from what goes on in Point Break the fact that um, Johnny used to be a footballer and he because his knee gave out he couldn't do that anymore mm. um, I mean how many people do you know who have FBI agent as their backup career really um, but there seems to be that idea that he's uh, he's always doing things that he didn't really want to do he kind of got forced into them and um, he is trying to find some sort of connection within himself and that's why he falls uh, for Bodie in a way because it, it sees this guy who appears to have this wonderful magical connection that he knows he's lacking um, and I think that that's very similar to what Brian kind of responds to with Dom I mean I, it's it's never made 100% clear how genuine Brian's um, juvie record is but given that uh, Dominic says that Jesse found a lot of it on the internet, I think it's got to be real because you can't plant that stuff on the internet. It's date stamped. People would know that it had only been added recently. Um, so I think certainly as a, a, a young person, and it had to stop when he was about 16, 17, because if it went over into adult record, they wouldn't let him be a police officer. Um there seems to be some element of trying to um, trying to achieve, like you say, either an adrenaline high or some feeling of, of emotion, some sensation of being alive, which people, particularly men who are depressed and the nature of their depression is that it makes them feel numb, they will try to reach out to anything that is hot or sharp or fast or anything that will make them feel like they're alive again, even if it's only for a few seconds. And to 
to have a, for Brian to have a conversation with somebody, if we assume that that is the state of mind that he's coming at this from, even if he doesn't know it himself, to have a conversation with somebody who basically outlines this philosophy that for that 10 seconds, nothing else exists. That's my world. No past, no future, nothing. I, I just, I'm totally absorbed. I'm totally there. I can see how that would be immensely appealing, even to the extent that he would throw over his commitment to, you know, being a cop being a inverted commas good guy and we thought we wouldn't go deep on this <laughs> i said that you saw you when you watch five you'll get more of a reason behind things mm. i'm not trying to I'm say that without doing any spoilers to, no 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 i i am looking forward to that because there, there's kind of there's hints in four but they're so tiny yeah they they expand a lot more on that mm. Good. Excellent. Fast and Furious, Tiny Hints. That's the name of the fourth one. <laughs> so basically, odd numbers good, even numbers... No. No. Because five and six are both good, aren't they? Yeah. Okay. I, would, I, I would say that. I, I Again, I, I'm, I'm not saying that this is bad. I just didn't have as much fun with this one because I was noticing... Because this is probably like... We're, we're quite high into the few figures I've seen this film. I was noticing things I hadn't really noticed before. Like? So don't, when I watch this film, I'm not. I'm usually watching it for fun. Right. Whereas I was because I'm coming on here, I was watching. I was paying a bit more attention to it than I normally do. <laughs> we won't have people on here doing things for fun. There's a time and a place for fun and games. This I will admit, here. also another thing about this film. This is where I picked up my major crush on uh, Michelle Rodriguez in this film. Understandable. She's dangerous though. You don't want to get in a car with her. Oh no. <laughs> um, so what did you spot that uh, you hadn't spotted before? Uh, stuff like like Brian's motivation, uh, the well, fact that the other the other characters being very uh, just enough there that they don't come across as just one dimensional. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. Also, as I the only one struggling, okay, the, the initial setup is uh, Brian's gone on the cover to because they're trying to find this car gang that are pulling off these high tech, well, not high tech, but these uh, these lorry heists. Mm. I never felt that Dom needed to do that. It never really explains why he was doing that. I never felt the reason why he was. Yeah, actually, they, they explain it in Point Break that basically they, they rob the banks because it's the ultimate high and it funds their summer. But it doesn't seem like Dom gets an adrenaline rush out of the actual robberies. Mm. I think that the motives there are somewhat hazy, to say the least. Um, and I think there is... There's, a, there's got to there's be a, a bit of fucked the man. Like, Don's got many priors. There's and- a suggestion at the end that um, that there is some kind of, you know, big score and then we all get to retire to Fiji. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think uh, he... I read in a, a review or a comment about it somewhere although i don't remember this ever being mentioned in the film that the reason that they do the big job at the end is basically because they're trying to get enough money to pay tran for the car that jesse was supposed to hand over and didn't mm-hmm. yeah and then tran turns up and shoots jesse anyway mm. Mm. that's a sad moment for me because i did like jesse and he was a bit more well-rounded than uh, the rest of them and i at least felt like i uh, i got him but he also seemed a bit too fragile for that world. Yeah, he's sadly one of the two sort of forgotten characters, him and Leon. Because mm. I don't think Leon's ever mentioned again at all throughout the film. And yeah. neither is Jesse, so I think it's just sort of... Unless otherwise stated somewhere that I've missed, I think Jesse does... that. He dies there. He is killed in that drive by. Yeah. So let's move on, shall we, to Too Fast, Too Furious from 2003, directed by John Singleton of Boys in the Hood. Uh, this one cost more than twice as much as the first one, 76 million rather than 38, and it made only 236 million. So it only made about not even 30 million more, actually, looking at it. Uh, so. What, so what happened? Did they, did they just say to the entire cast, do you want to come back and do a sequel? And everyone went, nope. And just um, left, apart from Paul Walker, who stood there and went, I'll do it. Uh, no, I, I think it was just a case of they couldn't, uh, um, they couldn't get, uh, this was at the point where I think uh, 
Sorry, Vin. <laughs> change. I always Vin think of Vin and Dom. It's he, he, anyway. Um, Vin Diesel said he at this point he wasn't interested in doing mm. sequels to anything he really did because I, I think he thought his career was going to go one way. Yeah, <laughs> and, it, and it didn't. It didn't. No. So they sort of wrote this other story, which is more about you know, which is actually, if you think about it, not a bad idea of what happens to Brian afterwards. Yeah, which is a you know. That's actually a good question because it. I don't want to say it leaves it on a cliffhanger. Uh, by the way, just a quick question: Did you watch the post-credit sequence on Fast and Furious? The first one. The first one. Yeah, he's yes. driving off into Mexico. Yeah. yeah, he's off in Mexico, which I. Yeah, it's just random. I didn't even know that was on there. Oh yeah, no, it was. It's. I, I remember seeing that before. But uh, at, at the end of Point Break, Johnny wa- walks away, and goes, "He's not coming back." And uh, throws his badge down in the sand, and so you know, basically shows I'm not going to be a cop anymore. In that case, an FBI agent anymore. And I just, you know, as Paul Walker, sorry, as um, Brian's walking away at the end of the first one, I expected him to toss his badge, but he doesn't. It's the same, the same deal. So I always just figured, I suppose he'd go into the racing circuit. Well, actually, he's committed crimes. He should be arrested, which is why you have this little, uh, quite a nice little short, actually. Uh, as an extra. The turbocharged intro. <laughs> yes. It's done, but basically it gives you a good... Okay, this is how he got from where we last, last left him to where mm. he is now. And okay. it, it's weird because in this film, they sort of try to make Brian Dom, almost. I suppose. Do, do you want to talk about Too Fast, Too Furious, Neil? Yeah, because I enjoyed this Go one. Go for it. <laughs> um, it is dumber than a box of rocks. It's a heck of a lot dumber than the other one. But I think with this one, they sort of bring in the, the sense of humour more to the fore in this one. Is he doing the stare and drive with you? I taught him that. Uh, yeah, Tyrese. I didn't know who Tyrese Gibson was. This was like the first time I saw him in. And he, he's got a charm to him. Yeah, for a model. I mean, you'd expect him to sort of turn up and go, hello, I am Tyrese. But, yeah, he's got personality. He, he, as Roman Pierce, he shines. He's got more charisma here than he does in any of the Transformer films. I barely even recognise him as the same per- you know, same mm. person in it's those films. to work with. Yeah, he actually has stuff to work with. And this one definitely plays up the more glamorous aspect of, um, like, the first film. So a lot of, as Sharon was saying, a lot of the sexy girls, sexy cars, look mm. at the lighting and stuff. Um, oh, speaking of the cars, sorry, just to, to interject. Favourite cars in the first one? Just pick one. Neil? <sighs> Uh, it's got to be the beast. The beast. So Dom's like the muscle charger. I, I, feel. Yeah. Strange enough, I, I I love that car. I just I do. Oh yes, <laughs> especially when it pulls the wheelie. Yeah, yeah. It, it just seems just this this incredibly terrifyingly powerful like um, monster. Monster. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Uh, Sharon, favorite car in the first one? Um, I have to admit, I like Johnny Tran's red one. <laughs> Just because it's red. You see, this is how not aware of the uh, specs of vehicles I am, which is something I really ought to remedy. Uh, but yes, yeah, I just think it looks cool. Brief side note, I think it's the super of the green one that gets blown up. The director's son didn't talk to him for a week because the director blew that car up. Right, the super <laughs> is the orange one, but oh, the Mitsubishi the Eclipse at the beginning, that's my favourite car of the whole fucking series. It's so gorgeous looking. Uh, it's probably not absolutely, um, you know, tuned to 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 for every situation. It's almost more of a drift car than it is a uh, a race car. But my God, is it gorgeous! So right, those are the uh, I was in the first three. Um, do you want to go right now with cars in the th- second one before we carry on talking about the? Motor? Okay, I'll do the second one because I think mine will come as a surprise because I think everyone's probably thinking I'm going to say the Skyline or one of the muscle cars, and I'm not. Mm-hmm. It's Suki's. Oh it yeah, I love that, is that one. Like Do- is that a Dodge Viper? I'm not sure what. I can't remember what it is off the top of my head, but I just love the. I love how the car is her character. It's quite literally that. I just it, really love that. Uh, it's a Honda S2000. It is, yeah. Of course, it'd be Japanese, not a Dodge. Um, yeah, that's a Devon Aoki, uh, Deadly Little Miho, and uh, yeah, Sharon. Do you want to just sort of like what were they doing with her character? 
I'm not entirely sure. I think they were trying to uh, continue with with what they'd started with uh, Letty and Mia in the first one, in that they actually had a female who was central to uh, the the core group. The was problem was, if was you lifted Suki was, out of the film, would the whole film still have worked? Yes, yeah. yes, it would, and. I don't have a problem exactly with how she was as a person, but she did look a little bit like she'd stepped out of Sugar Rush. (laughs) And she was a little bit Asian stereotype as well. Yeah, with the anime uh, screen and stuff. I get that. The the same film where the the Japanese guy was playing on his PlayStation in the car just prior to racing and crashing. Yeah. Um, so there was that too. My favorite car in this second one is the Nissan Skyline, the, 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 the silver one that Brian drives with the two blue stripes. Oh, that's yeah. the Skyline. Yes. Yeah. That's a beast of a car. Yeah. I was, uh, I was playing grid last night after, uh, you know, watching Tokyo drifting. You know, I, I kind of really want to do some drifting now. And, uh, yeah, played, played with the uh, Skyline and, uh, it handles extremely smoothly. Lovely car. Um, Nate, uh, you've already said Suki's Sharon, favourite car in the second one? Um, in the second one. Do you remember any of them? No, not really. I think How about probably Tyrese's just because... purple thingy? It, well, <laughs> Tyrese's purple thingy, excuse me. <laughs> um, I think just purely because of the scene, uh, it's the, the car that they go... Um, the Dodge uh, Challenger. The When they do the, the Dukes of Hazard moment. The... There's a point somewhere in the middle when they do jumping over a bridge. Uh, that's the point where Ludacris goes, right, I'm going to make this a little spicier. Yeah, you're going to endanger their lives without prior arrangement. Raise the bridge. Good idea. Quite funny given the fact that I think no one, unless the character is mental, I don't think anyone actually dies despite the horrific crashes or they're just not mentioned. Yeah. Um... So yeah, that's uh, that's when it suddenly. I, I just thought them Duke boys better start flapping their arms or grow some wings while they were just diving over it, and uh, it's it suddenly became Dukes of Hazard, and it stayed Dukes of Hazard. Him and uh, uh, Ty- what's Tyrese's name? Uh, Roman. Roman Pierce. Him and Roman, uh, basically the Duke boys the whole way through. You know they're undercover in this one, but uh, I suppose that makes it a bit different from the other ones. And it made it better than a Dukes of Hazard film. Yeah. Which wasn't hard. Getting run over by a Dodge Charger is better than the Dukes of Hazard film. I think yes. what I found a little bit frustrating about this one was that they decided to go with the template of Brian goes undercover because reasons. That there, there really wasn't. You didn't need that, as far as I was concerned. The the relationship between Brian and Roman that was the part that I was interested in, mm. and the fact that you you know they kind of introduced as they used to know each other when they were kids, but you never really get to the bottom of why Roman's so pissed off with him, other than that throwaway line about well you know he he went off and became a cop. He's got to have a low jack on his his foot though. That that's that's you know I, there's a certain like amount of. Of well, shame, yeah, which he uh, carries with him as literally has to carry with him as a as a constant reminder. But that's that's the the element of it that you know Brian went off and became a cop, Roman went off and became a criminal. There's also something a little bit almost naive, I suppose, about the fact that blonde, blue-eyed Paul Walker apparently had the same brush with the law type childhood that his black-skinned mate Roman Pierce had. Um, he went off and became a police officer and uh, Roman gets a low jack on his leg. Ooh. And they never, ever address <laughs> that at all. Maybe that's less racist? I always just thought of it as Roman, you know, they were childhood friends, but Roman was always just sort of the hot-headed one and that's sort of how he ended up getting... The shaft, really. Gotcha. Sorry, Neil, I interrupted you, and you were talking about the good points of this film. Um, I think it's it's not the story. The story is it's, the story is Kohlhauser is mean. Well, it's <laughs> and evil, really evil. He's strangely more evil than 
Imagine the, the, the blowtorch and the bucket and the rat, rat? really yeah. did not suit this film. This is like a, a film that kids nowhere. could enjoy, and then suddenly there's this really gruesome torture scene. He's more evil than the drug dealer in five or four. I'll take your word on that. But yeah, that's, it's, it's almost like they were like, we got to shock people here. Yeah. No, you don't. Just have him be funny. Like Jason Patrick in uh, The Losers is murderous but hilarious at the same time. This one, uh, this is where you can notice a couple of, I don't want to say it's tropes, but trends for the films. The, the sort of heist base reason, sort of main story. Mm-hmm. And inconsistent Brian O'Connor character. Yeah. Because he's one way in the first film. He's he's much more lighthearted and a bit more fun this time around, which is I like. Yeah, and he seemed completely different in the fourth one. In the fourth one? Jesus Christ, someone pulled that stick out his ass. Yeah, but everyone was depressed in the fourth one. That thought, yeah, I have problems with the fourth one. Including I'm not looking the lighting designer. Yeah, he needed a slap. Uh, also, CG guys. <laughs> but anyway, this one, um, I think what makes this one shine is sort of that it is it is uh, Tyrese and, and Paul Walker's characters, uh, Roman and uh, and Brian, because they that's where a lot of the fun comes from, mm. you know, and and also ludicrous. Ludicrous is really enjoyable, He's although I. Although I wish he, I'm glad he comes back. But um, his introduction, the first thing my thought was, my God, the hair. Well, video games were sort of on a very Afro high at that point. They were like, let's stick a guy with an Afro in all video games in the it's late the 90s. the only time he has an Afro is in that introduction. It's interesting that I mentioned video games. Interesting, Alex, um, because this one really feels like a video game. It does. They even colour code the cars. It's even said, I can't remember if it's in the commentary or something, mm. where they said they did actually colour code the cars on purpose so you could tell uh, who was who. The lighting, I mean, the, very specifically in the first one, when he races against Don, there's two in a red car because people don't obligingly have one car of each different colour. Mm. Yeah. Um, but this, the lighting was different. The direction was different. It felt at times like TV. And that was, it was weird. Like, um, maybe just the, the camera very rarely zoomed slowly in to really get the emotion. It just sort of, it, it didn't sit there, it pivoted and it went up and down and left and right, but it didn't really get in and it didn't really, it wasn't concerned with the emotion of the scene. Yeah. Much. Uh, I definitely think color wise, it's very different in, mm. in, in, in the whole field. Whereas the, the first one, it has color, but it's almost really saturized mm, sa- where, yeah. it where it comes to this one it's very neon yeah well it's i mean like it's it's in miami so you get a lot of blue skies it's daytime a lot of the time and it's difficult to light a trailer park if you're standing in the middle of it you basically have mm. to go with what the sky is doing that day yeah but i this one definitely is the one that sort of well, the story's not great, it's the ride that matters. And why the ride matters is because you like, for a start, you like Paul Walker. He's a lot less than he was in the first one. He's more, like I said, he's lighthearted. He's a bit more fun to be around. Mm. You mix that with, it's a buddy, it's, it's a buddy movie because it's him and, it's him and uh, Roman. Because yeah. it's all about Roman's sort of reaction to him. And that, the rebonding of the friendship. You know, like when in the middle of doing the audition, when uh, Paul Walker pulls the, I don't even think this is possible, the handbrake turn into the reverse on the freeway to flip off his friend. It, I, yes. Yeah, I, I did like that kind of thing. And that I think that was why I got a little bit frustrated with it, because I enjoyed that uh, that type of interaction between them so much that I was annoyed there wasn't more of it. Mm. There was altogether too much focus on this incredibly boring, uh, incredibly evil villain mm. who just... Uh, Cole House is so much more interesting in Pitch Black. Yes, he is. And I mean, if you again, if you compare it to the first one, the only real out-and-out villain, I suppose, is... Um, uh, Johnny Tran and even he there is a tiny little thread of you know you can understand uh, that he's been kicked part of his world get, yeah. exactly um, and what's what's led him to this position Carter Verone where where do we see anything that tells us why Cole Hauser has ended up being this living he's, shit at the he's end he's in, he's in silk pyjamas he can't yes, even be bothered he, to get out of bed properly oh my god yes his wardrobe was ridiculous ridiculous it really was also this isn't really her fault because they probably asked her to do it but Eva Mendes sunbathes for quite a while in this film and I'd just seen I think around about that time um or I was about to see Stuck on You in which she also sunbathes for quite a lot Uh, maybe I'm thinking of Jennifer Esposito hang on let me just 
stuck on you. I will say that even Mendes is usually very nice to look at. Mm. I think with the only exception of one film, I don't know. I don't know how well of an actress she is. Although apparently she's meant to be very good in. Uh, oh God, Nicolas Cage, not Ghost Rider. <laughs> the other one. Um, Although uh, she is actually New Orleans, uh, Bad Lieutenant Port of Call, New Orleans. Apparently well, she's meant to be. Good it was her in Stuck on You. And uh, I'm sure that she you know, may have been asked, could you possibly sunbathe in Ghost Rider? And she may have said, no, you know what? I, I can stand up for this one. Maybe if she sunbathes and I, like, you know, go crazy near her and, like, go scratch it at the door, then, then maybe we'll have a film on our hands. Do me one favour. Don't do Nicholas not the bee. No, can you say the bees, not the bees for me? Ah, not the bees! Ah, mate! That's, I can't do Nicolas Cage screaming. I can only do him like this. I don't know. It was worth it just to hear that. That just made me smile. Killing me won't bring back your damn honey. Anyway, you're going to enjoy our Ghost Rider review, Neil. Let me tell you right now. We've, we've done it. We, we committed it to podcast ages ago. Is it the first one or the second it's one? It's both. I love the first one. hate the second one. You'll have a blast. Um, um, so, yeah, Sharon, you on Too Fast, Too Furious. I think I've I've pretty much said everything that okay. I really wanted to say about it. Me too. I I I, I, I was There is a lot less to say about this one. I, this I, this, this has ticked along for me. It, the first one actually had was trying to do something. This one was more of a a theme park ride, I it, so. like a roller coaster. It is at least short. The it, uh, it, and non and fairly non-offensive and has actually does have some good sort of. Uh, feel good moments. The 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 bond, like I said, the bonding uh, is always fun to watch. There's a lot of uh, watching. To, if you watch Tyrese, how in a lot of scenes he's always wanting to do something, so he's constantly eating. Mm. That's that's a lot of fun. And the scramble bit is a quite a good punch in the air moment because you're like, oh god, how are the guys going to get out of this? And oh yeah, that this. was neat. Yeah, the scramble moment. Uh, that was a lot of fun for the for the folks who haven't seen it yet. The scramble moment. They all drive into a bunch of garages while the uh, Keystone cops are chasing them, and they're like, oh oh, they're stuck in the garages. What's going to happen? And then like hundreds of cars all pour out of the garages and disappear off into the traffic, and it's like, well, where are they? And um, yeah, the police lose them. It's, it's quite good, and it's got a good uh, um, Dukes of Hazzard jump at the end. But then after that, it's like, that that was it. Uh, okay. Well, it's actually kind of funny. They even call themselves on it. Because even Roman turns to, to Brian and goes, that's that some serious it. Dukes of Hazzard shit. Nice. Just in <laughs> case you folks hadn't picked up on that. They may as well have gone... Anyway, that was before the Dukes of Hazard film came out, I suppose. So they were allowed to do and that. And like I yeah. said, yeah. still better than the Dukes of Hazard film because boy, did they kill that film. And that is it from us for this week. Next week, we'll be back with the Fast and the Furious Tokyo Drift, which Sharon and me ended up loving, and Fast and Furious, which we didn't. And all through these first four, we hadn't seen five and six. Now, I don't want to spoil how we feel about them. But if you're a fan of the series, you'll be happy to know that we're going to the cinema to see Fast and Furious 7, and we'll then be reviewing it on this show. Anyway, this is Chris Ludicrous Bridges with Act the Fool. Too fast, too furious, I'm too fast for y'all, man. Too fast, too furious, I'm too fast for y'all. Oh, you just came home from doing a bid, tell me what you gonna do, Act the Fool. Somebody broke in and cleaned out your crib Boy, what you gon' do? Act a fool! Just bought a new pair and they scuffed your shoes Tell me what you gon' do? Act a fool! Now them cops tryna throw you in them county blues Boy, what you gon' do? Act a fool! Talk about gats, traps, cops and robbers It's 911, please call the doctor Evacuate the building and trick the pigs Since everybody want a piece, we gon' split your wig See some fools slipped up and overstepped their boundaries You bout to catch a cold, stay the fuck from around me Your peeps talking about what kind of shit he on You'll disappear like poof, bitch be gone You think 12 gon' catch me? Give me a break I'm supercharged with a hideaway license plate It seems they wanna fingerprint me and give me some years They'll only get one finger while I'm shifting gears I got suede on my roof, wood grain on the dash, sheep skin on the rug, golden grain in the stash, hydraulics all around, so I shake the ride, we go front, back, and side to side, so what? a punk just tripped up and made you spill your drink, tell me-
me what you gon' do Act the fool Now your car just stopped on an empty tank Boy, what you gon' do Act the fool If you got late bills and you lost your job Tell me what you gon' do Act the fool If you bout to get drunk and you ready to mob Boy, what you gon' do Take it to the streets, cause I'm ready to cruise Just bought me and my cars off some, some brand new shoes And let the people just stand, so I love to park it And I just put a computer in the glove compartment With my pedal to the floor, radar on the grill TV in the middle of my steering wheel It's my car's birthday, so we blowing them candles Most speakers in the trunk that my ride can handle Got my name in the headrest, read it and weep Nice tank in the back, camel hair on the seat And when I pull up to the club, I get all the Affection, cause the women love the pain and they can see their reflection. I'm about to take off, so F what you heard. Because my side mirrors flap like a fucking bird. And for the fools, we gon' clock one, then we'll pop one. Cause my folk riding shotgun with a shotgun. You just got hustle for a wide of cash, man. What you gon' do? Act the fool. Now your friends just smoked up your brand new stash. Say what you gon' do? Act the fool. Now them girls up the block still running their mouth. Boy, what you gon' Trunk wide open. Did donuts last week in the street, still smoking. See, I'm off the antifreeze and my car is tipsy. On the off ramp, doing about 150. Rolling through East Pern on my way to Ben Hill. Slide a five to the junkie to clean my windshield. Got the whole crew riding and we starting shit. I even got a trailer hitch with a barbecue pit. And now all you wanna do is get drunk and pouch. Plus, your new name is Fire, cause we stomped you out. And yeah, we blow trees and bees, that's fantastic. So good. Hold your weed while I'm weaving through traffic I kick the fifth gear and tear the road apart You'll be like Lil John Q and get a change of heart It's one mission, two clips, and some triple beans I'm about to blow this whole shit up to smithereens The potholes in the street just 